Hey ladies and gents, welcome to the Controlled Interest Gamecast, episode 211. As always, I'm your host, Jared Weich, and I'm joined by Dominic Orlando. It's here. We made it. We made it to next gen. Jared, we did it. We did it. Sorry for the hiatus last couple of weeks. Some things came up, but uh, as Jeff Goldblum said in Jurassic Park, life uh, finds a way. So, it is what it is. But we're back a week uh, after receiving both of our consoles. I am all in on the Xbox Series X. At launch, obviously, Dom is all in on the PlayStation 5. Um, we both got our consoles, luckily, that we didn't have any issues, thankfully. We both got them the day they were supposed to arrive, which is not the case for a lot of people. Um, I also have a friend who's trying to get a PS5 right now who didn't pre-order one, and boy, howdy, is that whole Walmart system just a great time to be dealing with right now. Um, but at least they're actually, like, posting about it. They seem like the only company I've seen that's like, hey, we got new, you know, a new allotment of consoles. Try getting in there and buying them. Um, it seems overall, Dom, it's going to be pretty hard for anybody to get one of these that didn't pre-order one, which we kind of assumed. Yeah. Maybe by spring, maybe by summer next year, you'll be able to just walk in the store and buy one. We'll see. Yeah. If you can walk into a store at all, that is, I guess. <laughs> Which is a whole other issue, yeah. yeah. Uh, so today we're going to be going over a couple of news stories, and then we're going to just kind of go over our experiences with the console a week in. Um, we also have some game uh, impressions. Dom has a lot more than I have to say uh, for both of the new new games we're going to be talking about. Uh, well, at least two of them. Um, but yeah, let's get into it. So first up. Uh, Assassin's Creed Valhalla is the biggest Assassin's Creed game launch in history, according to Ubisoft. So the two biggest things here are, one, it sold through more units in its first week than any prior Assassin's Creed game, and two, it's the biggest PC launch for Ubisoft game as well, period. Hmm. Um, obviously, we've seen with game sales is everyone being quarantined and staying in their house. That probably helped sales on top of the fact that this was a launch title for new consoles, on top of the fact it was the premier launch title for the Xbox, right? So, uh, it's not surprising that it sold that much. Uh, what do you think? Is it, it, what do you think led to, are people into Vikings, Dom, or is it all of the, you know, everything happening around this game that led to it selling really well? I think everything you just said definitely is playing a factor. Um, I would add because the last game was so highly, um, you know, reviewed and, and, you know, people loved it. Right. So, um, it's got a bit of, even though it's like the you know tenth or fifteenth game in the series or whatever, it's got a little bit of sequel power. I think you know coming off of Odyssey going forward too. Yeah, that is true. Um, it's gonna be interesting. I'm. We'll talk about this later on. I'm only about an hour in. I'm enjoying it. Uh, obviously, I can't say whether or not I enjoy it more than Odyssey or not, but I am liking it. Uh, so that's good. Um, but it's cool to see it hit a, a, a milestone here, and it proves that. To me, they're, them taking a year off is showing positive signs sale-wise, which is good, right? Them taking yeah. the year hiatus, so that's good for us because if sales are dipping, then they might think of like, okay, maybe waiting a year, the, the brand is losing its interest in you know the broad appeal, so let's go back to uh, annualized releases to try to get a hold of this again. So it's good to see that strategy is paying off. Yeah, because that, that must have been a hard sell for them at the time, right, to their... Uh shareholders or whatever like we're gonna not release one of our biggest games this year even though we've been doing it every year and you know it's gonna pay off more in the future trust us you know that's gonna be a hard sell so it's good to see like you just said that it is paying off so yeah the last thing investors want to hear is we're not going to make so much money right now but in the future (laughs) we'll make plenty of money yeah so it's really cool to see uh and it reviewed pretty well it seems like it didn't review overall as well as odyssey did or even origins 
But um, it also, this game is a little bit buggier than both of those games at launch, which, you know, Ubisoft games tend to always be buggy. And I think this one is kind of, you know, racing to the finish line to be ready for uh, next gen. Not in the same way that, like, Marvel's Avengers raced to its release date, but you could see that this game could have used a little bit more time, and they kind of wanted to get it out there at this prime point because we're seeing the sales numbers show it was a good time to release that game. And, and yeah, I, I watched a few reviews and saw that, yeah, there's some bugs in this one, but, like, to me, that's, like, that's like nothing. In fact, to me, you know, my biggest takeaway is it is damn impressive that this game works as well as it does, considering how many platforms I had to make this for. It's yeah. like insanity. Um, I can't even list them all, you know, off the top of my head anymore. There's so many. So, like, kudos to them. Like, I don't care if there's a couple bugs. This is still, like, damn impressive work that they were able to do this. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, and we're people who love Bethesda games, and I don't think this but has anywhere near the amount of bugs that Bethesda games tend to Good have point. at launch. So, <laughs> yeah, even Witcher Three, right? It was buggy at launch as well. People mm-hmm. forget about that. Uh, next up, let's get to the first of two. I would, I, I'm gonna say major stories, but they're not really major either of them. Uh, the first one is more so aimed at me uh, and the six people who are still playing this game, and the second one I think is exciting for the industry as a whole. So the first one, Kate Bishop Deep Dive War Table. This happened on November 19th, the day we're recording this, uh, via Square Enix. So this was a new format for them. Normally the War Tables, Dom, are live-streamed, right? And they're encompassing the entire game and what's to come and updates and yada, yada, yada. Well, because Kate Bishop is the first post-release Avenger being added to the game, they decided to do this pre-edited, pre-recorded upload that went live at a certain time. And it was pretty neat. Um, Obviously, the game has a lot of things it needs to be, you know, fix but it will go over exactly what this deep dive war table was so they revealed details on the release of the first post-release avenger uh, getting added to the game which is kate bishop who's a female hawkeye the deep dive went over her kit her moves how she differs from her teacher and friend clint barton because that was one worry people had is like if we're going to be getting two hawkeyes in the span of two or three months next to each other what's going to differentiate them from one another right how are they going to feel different so is hawkeye proper not already in the game no 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 and we'll get to that later when i explain what they talked about okay (laughs) so yeah uh with her the big difference with her is obviously she shoots a bow but for melee combat she has this katana type sword and her traversal isn't a simple jump or a swing she's using quantum uh energy which is part of like marvel lore and i don't want to i don't need to get into all that is to to, like teleport essentially which is pretty cool so it differentiates it differentiates her there uh, and her powers specifically are different. The way they talked about it in the deep dive is Clint and her's basic attacks are going to feel similar because A, lore-wise, she learned from him, so she should shoot kind of like he does, right? And B, they're both ranged characters with bow and arrows, so base attacks, how are you going to make those essentially feel too different, right? So it's the powers and ultimate abilities and all that where you can actually differentiate them from one another. So her uh, update is called Taking Aim, and it's the first in an arc of new stories featured in the first season of, in the first season, season one, of post-release content, and it'll release on December eighth, so a little bit more than two weeks from its announcement. It's focusing on Kate trying to save Clint Barton from an alternate reality where he's been captured by Aim, and will add a new mini campaign and cosmetics for previous Avengers. So the way they talked about this, Dom, is that it, they didn't say give a specific time, but this is the best way to explain it. This is going to come out. It's going to be like a two-hour mini campaign, right? Where you're going to be uh, Kate Bishop trying to save Clint. Then the next update that's going to happen with Clint, which we'll get to shortly, is going to be the second piece of that story for him. And then we assume that the third one or fourth one, or maybe it ends with Clint, 
with the post-release content, they're making a mini story arcs like comic book runs. So they kind of tie together. So when a DLC comes out, it's not going to just be standalone necessarily. It'll likely have another DLC or character that attaches to it too. So there's these mini arc runs. So say you're, you're somebody who plays the game, you beat the base game, Kate Bishop comes out, ah, it's not a whole lot of content. I'm going to wait for wait for the Hawkeye arc to all come out, then go in, do the entire Hawkeye arc. You know what I mean? So it's a yeah. nice way to know when there's breaking points to get in. And they're kind of like mini expansions on their own once they're all out and connected, which is pretty cool yeah it's uh, pretty smart to keep people coming back too exactly and remember kate bishop was originally supposed to come out in october clint was supposed to come out in november obviously because of covid and a lot of unforeseen circumstances now kate bishop got pushed to december and because of that we have uh, information on clint's dlc which is called future imperfect which is a pretty dope name also a callback to an old x-men video game rise of the imperfects or something like that so, Clint Barton Hawkeye campaign is going to be added in early 2021 alongside the hero, Clint Barton. And this is the cool part that you might be interested in, Dom. It looks like it's going to, because before we talked about how she's saving him from like an alternate reality, his DLC looks like it's going to take place in the old man slash maestro Hulk reality, where old man Logan and all that stuff going on, the Wild West kind of feel to it, right? Um, and if people who aren't familiar, it's where the Hulk has his own gang. He has like a beard. He's kind of gone crazy. And at the end of the teaser trailer for this that they showed in the deep dive, it showed uh, Maestro Hulk sitting on like a throne he made with like Iron Man's helmet and Hulk shield and stuff. Um, and it would be really dope if Wolverine or Logan gets teased in this somehow to be added to the game. Um, because for those who don't know, in this reality, this is also where Clint Barton goes deaf. And he uh, it kind of changes the way he is as a superhero. And you're familiar with Old Man Logan, obviously, from the film Logan as well. So that's really cool. And the last thing, as they mentioned, is that the next-gen ports are coming in early 2021. And at the very, very end, they teased Ant-Man. So this is another thing. Oh. Uh, Scott Lang is currently in the game as a non-playable NPC that runs like a faction in the game, right? He runs like this little, ant, they call it the ant colony, which is obviously funny. Um, so it's unclear if this Ant-Man is going to be Scott Lang or if it's going to be Hank Pym, who is the OG uh, Ant-Man. Uh, but it was that. teased. Yeah. Um, which is, I forget the actor's name, but in the, if you've seen the Ant-Man films, obviously Paul Rudd Paul. is oh. Scott Lang. And then okay. the older one is uh, Hank Pym. Um, oh, so he's in the Ant-Man films, the older Ant-Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I didn't realize that. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, he's. If you see the first film, he's the guy who uh, Paul Rudd steals from. Oh, okay. Okay. I've yeah. seen it. It's been a while, but I know. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, so this is interesting because my assumption, Dom, with this is that they're probably aiming for Hawkeye, Clint Barton, to be, come out in January, right? You have Kate Bishop coming out in December. You have Clint Barton come out in January. And with the next-gen ports being listed as early 2021, you might think, well – Oh, those are probably coming along with Hawkeye. If you remember during the first post-release war table, there was a thing that happened where they had to cut content from it because Chadwick Boseman had passed away recently. And people assumed, oh, they were going to show off the Wakanda territory and maybe Black Panther. In order for this game to see a breath of new life because of the issues it's had, which like all new games of service games do, and I don't know if they want to wait till like the real refresh in like the fall of next year, right? When they have a big content drop. My assumption would be is like in uh, February or March, release Black Panther alongside the Wakanda expansion and put the next gen ports in with that as well. 
because then you have a new flair to the game. You'll get people back who already own the game. You'll get people who haven't purchased the game to hop in because everyone loves Black Panther. And if you have the next-gen ports there as well, it's going to add a little bit more of an impact for people to come back and those who already own it get it for free. So I think that's probably their best move. I could totally see them adding it to the Hawkeye stuff too as like, yeah, the next-gen ports are live. But if they really want to make a splash, I think it's just an easy thing to add those to the Black Panther expansion, right? So we'll see what happens. Yeah, it's I could see that making some noise, and then like I think, like you said, if they can, they got to get the this game on shelves, you know, in a in a uh, PS5 Series X box. I think yeah. that alone um, could go a long way. And I think they also need to focus on because it seemed like the plan was to add a new Avenger every month or at least once every other month, which is pretty impressive. And I think once the roster is built out and you have all this content in there, you'll be able to pull people in with these major heroes that people want to play with, like the Doctor Stranges and the Black Panthers. And I do think this game still has a chance to have longevity to it. I just think they've ran into some snags here with having to push this game out before it was ready, obviously. And then the coronavirus delays, right? I think it just kind of got a bad rap. We're only like two months off of its release. And I understand with the games of service, you want it to constantly be evolving. But we also have to, also have to understand the circumstances of development. And I think if they could hit the ground running at the beginning, like hitting Kate Bishop in December and then getting a really good cadence in 2021 or hitting Clint Barton right away, I think you could build momentum into the new year if they do it right. Do you think I'm, you know... You know, it's a good call. If, if they can land that cadence, they can pull back an audience and get people, especially with like a big expansion. Yeah, there's something to that because your roadmap and yeah, the way you, the timing in which you distribute stuff is, is going to be important. So like, yeah, sometimes it's like you could have to make decisions like holding stuff back just to, you know, give it a few more months so that it can all hit together and make a bigger splash because it seems like, I don't know, maybe I'm off base here, but this... This one, like, just, I don't understand how this game, I predicted it would, like, outsell Call of Duty this year, and so I thought this was going to be huge, and even even though the reviews weren't, like, you know, 10 out of 10s necessarily, like, they weren't bad either, it seems like a lot of people really enjoyed the game, and it was maybe a little bit buggy, but not nearly as bad as most games, the service games, right? And it's, at the end of the day, it's, it's Avengers, and I just, I don't understand why why more people aren't flocking to it right now, it's kind of a it's kind of weird to me. So maybe I think, yeah, a lot of issues can be solved with a good release, you know, uh, a DLC release strategy, kind of like you're talking about. I don't know exactly what that is. Like, um, and they but, haven't clearly defined their total like roadmap, right? Like we yeah. had, we heard about like November, or October, November for the two Hawkeyes, but we didn't have like a, a long roadmap there. Also, right. I think we know Spider-Man we, someday. Yeah. <laughs> I also think WandaVision for Disney Plus and Black Widow being delayed out of this year kind of hurt it too because maybe in some yeah. ways people are like, okay, we're taking a pause on the MCU. Why am I going to rush to play Avengers when I'm not even getting the other forms of media I want? And maybe once WandaVision comes out and we get Black Widow, maybe that'll spark people back into it. Because it's not a thing where people have lost interest. People are very much invested in the MCU, right? Yeah. It's just that with the current circumstances of Corona, I think it's like, well, if I'm not getting Black Widow and WandaVision, why am you know I can wait? And then people, if they look into it, they're reading like, oh, this game isn't what it can be yet. So it's like, if I'm waiting for all this Marvel stuff, why not just wait for Avengers to get good, quote unquote? You know, that might be the case as well. I think um, you, like it has out of any games a service game that like needs has ever needed like a comeback. This is the most poised. Like it has the most. Oh yeah, hundred like, percent. I think like at the end of the day, I think you're right. Like I, and I think it will happen. I think you know 
there's a lot of money that went into this and they're not just going to bail. This is a, you know, this is the Avengers. Like they can make this work. And it seems like they have a really good foundation so far. So I think it'll, it'll, it'll come back big. And also I think people are assuming that we're only ever going to get one hero at a time. I think that's kind of misguided. I could totally see fall 2021. They announced fantastic four, like all four of them yeah, get right. added to the or game. A couple right? X-Men. Exactly. Right? You mentioned Wolverine, but maybe a couple of those characters coming all at once. That'd be cool. Yeah, I think them having those big, bulky things. And like we said, by the time one of those announcements happens, if you already have a back catalog of Black Panther and both Hawkeyes and you have all these stories, you can people can jump into this game, never played it, Dom. Play the really good Miss Marvel-focused campaign and then get to lean into the Hawkeye arc and all of these other arcs that the people who were there at launch had to wait for, but you as a new player, it's just a continuation of the narrative, right? Which is really cool. Um, and I do think that'll solve the problem too, as these heroes are coming out, everyone's going to want to play as, as them online. So it's going to be tough there. But by the time you have a big roster, that's going to be less of a problem. You know, I do think this game is poised. I think Crystal Dynamics cares. We've seen that with Tomb Raider. I think Square Enix has already invested money into this, where I think they are part of that sunken cost fallacy of like, well, we can only make money from here. Yeah. We lost out on the initial investment of the game. But I doubt that the investment they're putting in now post-release isn't going to come back when they have really stellar <clears throat> Black Panther skins or all this other stuff. You know what I mean? And I and I had thought coming in that like since the uh, the MCU movies had kind of like they, there hadn't been a new one in a little while, right? That I thought like people would be hungrier for this game. Um, but maybe it's the opposite where people just like maybe are off a little bit. But then once the MCU um, tv shows and movies start coming back that'll pump this game up too kind of like you were saying with wandavision and um what was the other show that i'm not thinking of well it was wandavision uh, falcon and winter soldier and then obviously mm. black widow and all of the films as well um i like i've told you before i really enjoy the game i think the gameplay hooks there of all the characters feeling unique and stuff are really great it's like uh, it, looking at that specifically in terms of quality i think it's up there with the likes of the Last of Us and all these phenomenal games, specifically with that, with making the heroes feel unique and being fun to play. All of its issues come from the typical games of service issues of some of the levels feel repetitive. You're running down a lot of the same corridors. There's not enough variety in enemies. Uh, one thing that Tamor Hussein from GameSpot mentioned, which I never even thought about but is really good, is that you have good feedback on smaller enemies, meaning when you punch them and hit them, they react, right? They flop, they get hit, they flinch, all this stuff. When you fight the bigger bosses, like the two villains in the game currently, which there needs to be more, which is another issue, which is just uh, ta uh, Taskmaster and uh, Abomination, they don't react to your hits, right? It's kind of MMO style where you're unloading like damage on these destiny. guys. And they're, and they're just going through their animations, not reacting to you hitting them at all, right? At all. Mm -hmm. And it that is a problem because it does take away from the immersion of the game. I do think, like we said, this isn't an anthem. This isn't a Fallout 76. I think this is the the best way a, a games of service has come out of the gate limping, and it's more than poised for a comeback, given yeah. enough time and energy put into it. So, I'm enjoying it still, grinding away. Obviously, I'll I'll move away from it. Here's another thing that we we didn't mention. This Kate Bishop thing comes out two days before CD uh, CD Project Red Cyberpunk 2077. Ooh. So with the campaign only being like two hours, I think I'll be able to get it in before then. But then mm -hmm. grinding her up to level 15 doing that, that's going to be put on pause a little bit <laughs> so I can play Cyberpunk. But I do think that's a good timing too of 
maybe the people who get it for Christmas, you know, get it and they already have a new character to play with too, which is something we didn't think about it coming out in December. And then, you know, they get it that Christmas day, they start playing it a week or so later, they hear, oh, the other Hawkeye is going to be added to the game, right? That could build a good momentum as well uh, with Black Friday sales, sales and the like. Now let's get to the second story. A lot more promising. I think this is awesome for the industry. Honestly, I think this is the most exciting developer brand combination since uh -huh, yeah. Insomniac got Spider-Man, honestly. Is cool. Yeah. This morning, uh, November 19th, I was prepared for the Kate Bishop deep dive, all six of us who still play Marvel's Avengers, but also IO Interactive has stated, our next project's on the way. And this was weird because it's like, well, IO, we're still waiting for Hitman 3. It's coming out in January, right? And I like, yep, we're going to be teasing our next project. And lo and behold, IO Interactive is making a 007 game. So this is via the official 007 Twitter account. Project 007, working title, is a brand new James Bond video game with a wholly original story. Earn your 00 status in the very first James Bond origin story to be, to be developed and published, which is a key word which I want to talk about, by IO Interactive. Alongside the tweet was a brief teaser trailer, which started with a bullet being loaded into the chamber of a gun and ended with the iconic view of a tunnel formed via the barrel of the gun, which you remember where James Bond pops up, turns to the screen, shoots, blood falls down. This is awesome. Uh, obviously, IO is known for their stealth action games. The new trilogy of Hitman games are phenomenal. Uh, we haven't played, obviously, a third one because it hasn't come out yet, but the first two are really fantastic. We've been wondering, what's IO Interactive's next step? Are they going to get purchased by Microsoft? Are they going to make a new Hitman game? We heard this is the end of the trilogy for the Hitman games. And lo and behold, MGM decided to partner with them, gave them the 007 license to a studio who knows how to make quality games, and a brand that is kind of underutilized, right? Everyone talks about 007 GoldenEye on the 64. People also love the one that was on the original Xbox, which I don't remember the name of. But as popular as 007 is, you would expect it to be like, oh, there's all of these phenomenal 007 video games because it just fits into the world of video games, right? A shooter, spy, espionage type thing. And to see this combination of the two and the fact that IO Interactive is going to be publishing this itself is cool because MGM could have totally strong-armed this and be like, okay, we'll let you develop this, but then we need to partner you with a publisher. And then at that point, what does the publisher do in terms of the vision of the game, right? Like how much do they affect IO Interactive's development of it? So I'm glad that they're also publishing it as well as developing it. When you read this or saw this news, what did you think about the combination of the two? It's kind of like what you just said. Um, I, I never played those Hitman games, but I mean, I, you hear about them often and people seem to love them. And, and I'm, you know, it's been described to me how those play like kind of open world, like stealth assassination type games. Right. Um, we have options to do things different ways. So, um, I mean, James Bond, like, 007, like, yeah, that's that's as perfect of a match of, of you know, for a <laughs> style of game and IP to a developer that anyone could dream up, right? I mean, we always talk about those those scenarios of, like, oh, we want, um, or, like, you know, Insomniac doing Spider-Man was, was similar, right? Oh, they'll be able to do, you know, that kind of traversal great, better than any other developer probably. Um, we always talk about those dream combinations, and this to me is like as perfect of a match as you could dream up. So I think it's it's pretty cool. Um, expectations are going to be high, um, but I think uh, they'll have something. They'll they'll be able to deliver for the most part. And I didn't pick up on the fact that they were publishing it themselves too. So that is interesting. Um, I don't know exactly what it means, but it is interesting. And I'll, it'll be interesting to see um, what it what effects that has. 
Yeah, I have a question for you too. So this is going to be a 007 origin story. I know neither of us are like super diehard 007 fans. We both like it good enough. My question is, uh, what do you think is most likely in terms of the main protagonist for this game? Because to me, there's three different ways this can go, right? First up is the most expensive, which is they have the likenesses of each of the bonds that have ever been, mm -hmm. and you get to choose which one is quote-unquote your bond for the game, right? Is it Sean Connery? Rest in peace. He recently passed away. Is it Pierce Brosnan? Like, who is your bond? You pick that one. You're doing his origin story, right? Two, you create your own bond, right? It's character creator. What bond do you want? Do you want Idris Elba Black Bond? Do you want classic vintage, like, 1970s Bond? Like, what do you want? Or is it three, they create a unique, identifiable protagonist their own that maybe doesn't look like any of the bonds we've seen, or maybe it does, but it is their own character. It is their bond, right? What do you think is the most likely path they go? And which one do you I, want? I would bet the farm that it's option three. Like, they're going to create a new character, <clears throat> a new James Bond that's, you know, new, you know, unique, original, um, and that's it. He's going to look however he looks, and I don't know. Could it be a woman? Is that a possibility? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, could but, be. Um, exactly so like they can do i think they'll do whatever they want like they're gonna write this origin story you know completely fresh and you know probably take on a lot of the themes from some of the well, films or whatever real but quick it's gonna be it can't character. be it can't be a woman because they specifically state in the very first james bond origin story so okay, if so it was just james called project bond. 007 then it could be but since they're specifically mentioning james bond then yeah it's a, a dude okay either way i think that's that's the most likely scenario and probably what i would I would think I would want um, – I've never watched any of the movies actually <laughs> at all, so I don't have any kind of um, connection or, like, you know, desire to see Sean Connery or Daniel Craig or whatever, like, remade uh, myself. Yeah. Um, and I think that would almost be, like, kind of a little too much kind of corny. Um, a little too fan servicey. Yeah, I think they're best off uh, just, just going original with it. I want a Black Bond. I don't know if we're going to get that in the films, and I would love, like, obviously the people have petitioned for Idris Elba to be Bond, and, you know, for me, it's like the only thing that really needs, that you need to have to be James Bond is you need to be British and you need to be a dude, in terms of James Bond specifically, uh, and I don't see why there couldn't be a, a Bond of color, yeah, right? Why not? Somebody put up the suggestion, a uh, friend kind of funny... Uh, he was on iZombie, and he was on The House, The Haunting of oh. Bly Manor. Raul Coley yeah. could be play a great, yeah. uh, Bond for this game, which would be dope. And then we could get, like, you know, a brown Bond, uh, depending on what they decide to make his cultural background. But that would still be super cool. Mm -hmm. um, I just don't want a cookie-cutter white dude. That's all I want. You know, that's yeah. all I ask for. Uh, yeah. It could be a white guy, but I don't want a cookie cutter. Like, I don't want it to be a atypical whatever. Uh, the cool thing with uh, IO Interactive, too, is their you know, hit my games focus on you hunting down a target and that could lend to some interesting things of for us who aren't huge bond people, we see this interesting backstory for this villain. We have to hunt them down. That's all good and well, but for diehard bond fans, you can do some like, Oh, this is like the grand great grandfather of a dude that's eventually in one of the bond films. Right. It's one of those things when video games are done right, where it's an Easter egg for those who know, but it's just good storytelling for people who don't. Right. And meeting yeah, in that, me cool. that middle part of like, it's really cool for people who know, but it doesn't take away for people who don't, which mm -hmm. is something that they've done well in the Mandalorian Disney plus series. Oh. No spoilers. Um, <laughs> yeah. So this is really cool. Like I said, for me, it's the best pairing of uh, an IP and a studio since Spider-Man. And hopefully we see this trend continue. 
fingers crossed still for that uh punisher machine games combination that Obviously was the machine one ga- yeah you always bring up that i couldn't think <laughs> yeah. of yeah oh man it'd be so good uh we'll see what happens but shout out to io interactive i can't wait to see what this game becomes anyways it's time to get into this conversation who knows how long it'll be but i just wanted to talk about the new console and our opinions on it you know having it for about a week um i guess i'll start dom so obviously i have the xbox series x um in terms of launch titles quote unquote that i picked up i have assassin's creed valhalla um i've played about an hour of about an hour of it we'll get into that during what we've played um but in terms of the performance of the console immediately i saw load times decreased and you know we're gonna be talking about a lot of stuff that if you're in the know and you looked up previews from people they've already talked about but this is more so our personal experiences of getting it in our hands and you know figuring out ourselves immediately dom the load times are amazing you know we've talked about marvel's avengers one of the big problems with that game too is the lack of optimization in terms of loading and that's like one of its big complaints is it takes a little while to load not like rockstar games level (laughs) but it's still a while right and now it's super quick super clean uh madden a game that i play quite often um it's literally like three or four seconds from you clicking to play the game after you select your uniforms and you're already in the game it's like pretty incredible and mind you this is the backwards compatible version of madden the next gen port doesn't come out till december um so it's pretty impressive stuff there and we've known about this with xbox in terms of backwards compatibility and just the automatic boost to games um the transfer speeds from my external western digital hard drive to the internal is great um Obviously, storage is a problem because with all of my games downloaded, I'm already almost full on the internal. Thankfully, I have a, a crazy setup, which I didn't even think about. So I had my five terabyte that I was holding, right, Dom, to hold uh, backwards compatible games and games I'm not actively playing, but to download them so I have them there and then just transfer them over, right? I also forgot that my Xbox One already had an external in it. So I plugged that in too. So I have two externals plugged into the back of my Xbox. One is the transfer one, which I download the series x games hold them in there and then i just transfer them over and then the other one is just like indie games and all these other smaller titles that i can move over and they get benefits from the loading times but they're not optimized right so that's cool all those solutions there um the store and all that stuff and the ui in general works really fast the capture stuff is really great and seamless i want to talk about specifically the controller right this is something you'll focus on the with the playstation as well the dual sense we've been hearing all this talk of like okay it's not really a new controller it has some subtle differences it's whatever some cool new additions but it's pretty much the same controller as somebody who has used the xbox one controller for the last seven years i would say it's much more different than just small iterations to the controller obviously not to the extent of the dual sense that's a complete night and day shift but i do think a lot of people who previewed it undersold how different this controller feels to people who actively use the xbox one controller so obviously it's what we've heard of it's a, a slightly a little bit slimmer in terms of overall um what would you say overall like size you know a little bit thinner on the hands for people with smaller hands it feels a little bit more comfortable for them which is good um the angle on the bottom where you know you plug in your headphones and stuff is a little bit more smooth out it's not as as a parallel and sharp uh but the biggest additions i will say is the subtle texturized grips on the back of the handles so if you remember for the xbox one controller they added some later controllers that had this feature but it was much more aggressively 
textured and patterned on the back. Like there's a clear delineation between the controller and the texture, right, on the handles. This one is more integrated into the actual design of the controller. And though it looks more subtle as you're looking at the controller, when you feel it, it's how for the Xbox one controller, it was less dots and they seem like they pushed out more from the controller. This one, it's a ton more dots, but they're closer to the controller surface, if that makes sense. So it, it feels different. And actually I think it feels better because it doesn't feel as harsh on your skin, but you still get the textured grip. So your sweat isn't making you like lose grip of the controller. Um, they added this too to the triggers on the Xbox, which I think also helps out. I never had a huge problem with that, but I get why people would want that because, you know, those can get pretty slippery as well. Um, the share button, obviously, I talked about the share features themselves, works really good. The D-pad, I think, is the biggest improvement, obviously. That's been the weakness of the Xbox One controller is the D-pad. Feels really solid. I played Cuphead and I played Ori with it, and it functions really well. I, it's easy to say this is the best D-pad an Xbox controller has ever had. Um, as somebody who's never really liked the DualShock D-pad personally, not that I'm not saying it's bad, I just didn't like it. Not that I really like the Xbox one either. This one is probably my favorite D-pad. I'm assuming the Elite controller, the really expensive one, if I had that, that'd probably be my favorite because this is like Elite controller light, essentially. Um, yeah, overall, I'm really digging the controller. Uh, other things I wanted to mention about the console real quick. I have mine standing vertically if it's really nice in my setup because I have the PlayStation 4 Slim and the like the gray switch. So it's all like pretty much all black. So it looks cool. Um, heat wise, I've had no heat issues. Uh, I've, you know, done the hand test over the vents on the top. It just seems normal. I've had no sound issues. I've had no crashing issues, which is good. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. I mean, just overall, performance-wise, it's incredible. The one thing I hope they add in a future update, and this is something you can do on the PlayStation 5, is like custom presets for like performance mode and all of that stuff, right, in the menus. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Xbox doesn't have that, and that's something I really hope they add. Um, overall, though, I'm, I have no buyer's remorse. I think it was definitely worth it for me specifically as someone who had the original 2013 Xbox One. If you own an Xbox One X, I still think there's a case to be made that this will improve your quality of life console gaming if you are an Xbox person, but I don't think it's a must buy and there's no need to spend $500, especially in the current situation, because there is no like <clears throat> diehard launch title and the cool thing with the smart delivery and stuff is you're not going to feel obligated to buy Madden or NBA or Cyberpunk on the current gen and worry that you're going to have to buy it again on next gen, right? I think that's the best thing is you don't have to. Um, but if you are looking at it and you have the 500 bucks to spend, I would recommend it. I think it's a solid piece of technology. I will say the presentation on the packaging is immaculate. I don't know if you've seen any of the unboxing videos, Dom, but yeah, they went really cool. above and beyond. And I know at the end of the day, that doesn't matter. It's like you take the thing out, you put it up, and then who cares what the unboxing I mean, process was like? It, it doesn't matter, but but it does. You know, like for people it, like us, it, like that's like fun, like taking it out of the box. Like I like that stuff. Well, especially when you're paying as much money as we did for these consoles, it makes you feel like, oh, yeah, I made the right choice. This is nice. Yeah. And that's the thing that kind of sucked with the PlayStation 5 from what I've seen with the unboxings is like, it's kind of like whatever. It's like laissez-faire. It's like the, the the unboxing process of the packaging is whatever, which, like we said, is beside the point. Does the console work well? Is it fun? Which I can't wait to hear what you have to say about it. Um, anything else I wanted to mention? Oh, the new Xbox app on the phone worked seamlessly with it in, in terms of setting it up. 
you know, the Game Pass thing of being able to download your games to your console from your phone worked well too. We've known about this too with Xbox, like the cloud save stuff. I didn't have to think twice about playing my backwards compatible games. I didn't have to go and search for cloud saves. It just automatically happened when I booted up the game. Um, yeah, I'm having a great time with it. Before we hop into your experiences with the PS5, is there any questions or anything you wanted to ask me in regards to my time with it? No, it's funny because I did want to ask. I was hoping that you would um, spend a lot of time talking about the controller because I feel like nobody has. Um, and I was curious about that because like, there had to have been some difference, right? I kept yeah. on hearing like, it's the same thing. There's some grip whatever but that, that's good to hear that they made like you know meaningful improvements to it um so that's pretty cool but otherwise yeah it seems like it's like so it just works really well everything they did is kind of seems to be the theme of like i mean it it not just works but it, it, it works way better than the old one it's nothing that like um is incredibly crazy different and risky it's just crazy improved and better i guess um in a more expected kind of way, I guess. I don't know. So I don't think I had any other questions. I, that's a, a pretty good, a pretty good roundup you did. <laughs> yeah. That, that was bothering me too. That most people were talking about the controller and you know, not everything, you know, most people have both consoles, which we, we did too. And I, I use the Xbox primarily more, but having that controller in my hands for the past seven years and then using this one, I immediately notice a difference for the better. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> a lot of these changes are subtle, but they all make a real difference. Like the, I don't know if I'd call the grip even subtle either. Like I'm telling you, they added grip from probably a half inch below the trigger all the way down to the bottom of the controller on the back. So it's not just like a little bit of texture and that wraps around all the way to like the seam line at the, on, you know, when you're looking at the controller uh, on the side, all the way back to where like the batteries are. Like it's pretty substantial. Um, and like I said, it feels better for people with smaller hands. I've never had an issue, but I completely understand why people with slightly smaller hands had a tough time holding the controller. I couldn't imagine them trying to play with the original Duke, but, um, yeah, uh, yeah, it's, man, it's, it's a, a really rock solid console. Like I said, no buyer's remorse. And for those out there, hopefully you don't think I'm a hater or anything. We've talked about this before on the podcast. The only reason I didn't get a PS5 at launch because we talked about I was pre I was going to pre-order both of them is the moment they announced that Miles Morales was going to be on PS4, I was like, well, I don't actually need to buy a PlayStation, right? And if I wasn't such into the Xbox ecosystem, I probably wouldn't have bought a Series X either because it's like, what's the point, right? Um, but I can't wait to get my hands on a PS5 as well, and I'm ready to hear your impressions a week in. So I guess because controllers are fresh around my mind because we were talking about that. Um, there's a lot to talk about with the dual sense like first of all it's it's shaped much i mean if you've seen it it's shaped much more like an xbox controller and so like yeah <laughs> i'm i'm all about that um i appreciate that a lot i think it feels so much better to hold than um the dualshock 4 and it looks i never thought it like too much about this but the dualshock 4 is kind of goofy looking you know the touchpad is kind of like long in the middle and skinny and i don't know <laughs> yeah. um i think the dual sense itself uh looks way better but um <clears throat> The the PlayStation button in the middle is uh they made it in the shape of like the PlayStation logo like they're really cute with that but they put it like right in between the two sticks and so it's really annoying to push that it's like <laughs> you got to reach over the stick with your thumb and it's like that's uncomfortable why would they do that quite I don't know that was a weird thing I'm sure I'll get used to it but I was like that that's is a, a weird choice yeah yeah I'm I like, guess I never that, thought that's about a, that a choice you know I don't know why they did that but um 
the other thing they, that I wish they had done better was the the sticks themselves. Actually, the the, the sticks feel really way better. Like they feel tighter. Um, cool. Again, more like an Xbox controller. Like I didn't, I never had this thought before, but going back to a, a Dual Shock, it's like oh, the sticks feel kind of loose. And maybe it's just because it was an older controller and this one's brand new. But the grip around the actual sticks is pretty much the same stuff they used on the DualShock 4, which is right. a bummer because I much prefer the grippy stuff. I don't like when I grab it because like on an Xbox controller, at least with an Xbox One, they have like a, I don't know, the, the stuff on the sticks, like texturized oh, stuff the on the outside of stuff. it. Yeah. Because it, um, I, I don't have a problem with like gripping and sweat on the back, but I deal with my thumbs on the thumbsticks. Okay. And so the Xbox controller, like their grip is way better for that. Like your thumbs don't slip off, but um, they didn't improve that enough on the DualSense in my opinion. Um, again, it's it's fine. Um, <clears throat> then, yeah, the, the touchpad is still there, but you don't notice it as much. So that's, that's better. Again, kind of goes to what I talked about. Like it looks cooler, but the bigger thing here is like all the, the haptics in there and including the triggers. So they had that like, kind of cutesy commercial where it's like specifically about the dual sense and it's like feel everything around you the immersion and it's all like whatever <laughs> and you know watching those and ever, hearing everyone else talk about it and like all right whatever like i've been sold this before you know like every console is like oh this, it's so immersive and like the, there's vibrations and you have, <laughs> the, the switch is like hd rumble and like oh, okay we'll see and then it never I feels like chew five it. gum <laughs> yeah and so like i just completely rolled my eyes at those commercials for the dual sense or whatever but actually like feeling that it's it is a lot like the switch joy cons with hd rumble but more like imagine it like that but it actually fills your hands and like there's feels like there's way more different points and intensities Ooh, that cool. can vibrate yeah. yeah so for example um in miles morales um he's got a lot of electric powers and like so people get shocked in the game like fucking surprise um but like one of the enemies at one point or it might have been miles or might have been both like is like coming off of a big shock explosion there's still like small bits of current running through him right like just sporadic like in different intensities and like you feel each one in the handles of the controller it, just how it looks on screen and it makes it feel not like you're getting shocked but like i don't know it just it, it actually Adds really the immersion is that's immersive really cool. And I never would have thought that I'd describe it as if I'm on a Sony commercial, <laughs> but it really does. It's pretty cool. Um, the coolest, and then in addition to that, though, uh, the triggers are really cool. Um, having played Astro's Playroom, that little demo that they included, um, they do a lot with the vibrations, too. Um, and you can, like, it's hard to explain. This is harder to explain, but, like, when you're walking across different surfaces, like, when you're walking on grass... And then you walk onto like a, a boarded bridge or whatever with wood boards. Like you can feel the boards through the vibrations. I don't know how to explain it other than that. Other than that, <laughs> like when like sand, there's like a sandstorm, like it's blown at you, and like the vibrations feel like sand. It's weird. It's a, it's a bit jarring and uncomfortable because you're like, what the heck? Uh, okay. Um, but then the triggers too. The example a lot of people talked about was like the the little spring action that you can do with astro and like the trigger kind of pushes down as if it was a, a you know a, a slinky inside of it or a spring and you have to like push it with increasing pressure as it goes down and then it lets off and that's pretty cool but it does a lot there's a lot of other weird things with the triggers that i never would have thought of and that it's again hard to explain there's like a part of that part of astro you're in this robot suit and each time you like reach and you're climbing this wall and each time you reach up and grab a ledge 
it goes through this like this robot clunking sound but then you feel a, the clunk in the trigger as you grab it because you're using the trigger button to grab and it's it's so weird but it feels so cool at the same time um that being said there was a lot of that like they did everything you could think of and even more in astro's playroom in miles morales and demon souls it was limited to just like the vibrations they didn't use anything really with the triggers for those games that i've that i've noticed yet um so the vibrations are cooler there but nothing with the triggers which is kind of like I wish they'd done more, but even more than that is like, I really hope that developers use this controller and all the features in it long-term because it's so cool. And I'm afraid that it's going to get forgotten about, you know? So the, the, re- the likeliest reality is that it's only going to be the first party developers, right? They're going to use it. Yeah. And to me, I, the question I have for you is, is it as transformational of an experience that even if it's just the first party developers using it that it'll still make it worth it for them to add for them to have added that to the dual sense you know oh yeah 100 percent um given i mean just because we know like how many first party games sony puts out that's a lot and they tend to be pretty At a good. good cadence yeah yeah so like yeah that's enough even if nobody else used it i'd be like that's still worth it um but i want everyone to you know what i mean i want exactly yeah more developers to get creative with it and do different stuff um and we'll see because i it's it's one of those things like i that's why i wanted to mention it a lot is like the more people talk about it hopefully like devs get creative and i, and I would like to think that it would inspire them to want to if you're a third-party dev like you're gonna have to take extra time just for a feature on one console right but i would hope that like they would find the features cool enough to want to experiment with it and do something cool. Um, and that's one thing we don't know is how easy is it from a developer standpoint yeah. to implement that stuff in your game. Because if it's something where it just takes focus, but you can get your head around it, then I think we have a better chance of people implementing it. If it's mm-hmm. something where like you really have to grind away at learning a whole new way to implement a certain thing into your game, right? A whole new set yeah. of tools, then yeah. that might be like, eh, is it really worth it for us to do that? You know, There's cool, a... But... I've not played the new Call of Duty yet, but there's a <clears throat> a video going around that shows someone holding the controller and depending, like holding the controller sideways so that you could see the trigger, uh, the depth of the push down on a trigger, basically. And depending on which gun you're shooting, um, the trigger reacts differently. So they demoed like an AK-47, which is kind of like a slower rate of fire and a chunkier, um, you know, cadence to the bullets. Oh, so like and, the like, feedback on the actual trigger. On the actual trigger, like an AK-47 oh, is like... It has a different resistance, and then when they switch to an MP5, it's like faster rate of fire, less resistance. Like, you know what I mean? Oh, that's um, cool. So you can kind of get an idea. I'll try to find that video and send it to you. Um, but you, that kind of can give you an idea of what the triggers can do in like one application. Uh, but I've not felt that one myself. I'm curious. I almost want to buy the game because um, it's been a while since I played Zombies too. But anyway, um, the controller is really cool. And I hope that it gets the love. Um, it, I think it deserves. Uh, <clears throat> Um, so as far as the actual console, it, um, it's big. I <laughs> can't really say it enough because it's big. Luckily it fits in, it fits fine, um, with some space all around it in my entertainment center. I will point out that I've seen a lot of people taking pictures of like, it doesn't fit or like, it just barely fits. And they show their entertainment center. And like a lot of people have, you know, like 50 inch TVs on entertainment centers that are clearly made for like 30 inch TVs. So come on. people. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the, the, the console is still enormous. Don't get me wrong, but it's like, dude, the legs of your TV are like 
literally on the edges <laughs> of that entertainment center, and it's making me nervous just seeing a picture of it. Like, yeah, some people's setups out there like make me nervous. But anyway, yeah, it's super big. I've it's still not. I still don't like the way it looks. It's not growing on me. Yeah, like I hoped it would. It's still kind of like just sort of there. I have you it horizontal. vertical or horizontal. Horizontal. Yeah, I, I have it horizontal, just because it's easier to do that right now, and it just kind of looks like a little, not a little, but a big clam down in my entertainment <laughs> <center>. <laughs> you know? nice. um <clears throat> but it's fine i'm getting used to the look of it like <laughs> that's as good of a compliment as i can give it <laughs> was know? the stand pretty easy to put on yeah for horizontal it just kind of clips right onto the back of it cool or, or the bottom of it yeah um <clears throat> i didn't test out putting it vertical or whatever because then like you gotta like flip it and like screw the little screw in or whatever like, eh, maybe one day i'll i'll make it vertical but yeah, I don't love the way it looks, to be completely honest. I know it doesn't matter, but it kind of does, you know? <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. It's one of those things. Um, but then I think there's there's probably more to talk about compared to Series X as far as PlayStation 5, like the UI and how stuff works in the system. Um, so when we saw the UI demo, I thought, oh, it looks like the same. So that's cool. That's fine. It's It's not. It, it's... <laughs> <laughs> they like move some stuff and like stuff is different and i don't uh, it more some things are easier to get to <clears throat> um but some things are inexplicably harder to get to and i, I have a question because i had a yeah. problem with the ps4 and it irritated me All so right. you've used like the xbox ui right mm-hmm. are you familiar with like how you can go and see your actual downloads in a download queue and there's like an actual menu for that where you can see all your games downloading. Yeah. For PlayStation, it all happens in the notifications, correct? Like you have to go to your notifications to see your downloads, right? That's how it is on PS4, yeah. I think there yeah, might be another cha- way. If you go into the settings, there might be another way in, but pretty much notifications, which is weird. Did they add a download queue thing for PS5? Yeah, now you hit the home button and it's like one of the options that um, cool. is on the list of icons on the bottom. It's it's be- That's one thing that's better. Yeah. Yeah, cool. <clears throat> but like getting to the full list of trophies is is harder now and I'm like guys you know guys it's, that's like the one thing i really only care about when i go into the ui when i'm playing a game it's like yeah. i need to go see the list of trophies um and it's like they tried to make it better by making each trophy one of those activity card things okay so you hit the the playstation button and and those cards all pop up right so it'll show like the last or the whatever they determine is the most relevant like last five trophies or something right (laughs) yeah i don't know what the formula is but like it's a couple that i haven't gotten and a couple i have and then and then it'll like go back onto like a screenshot i took or something i don't give a shit i don't know and then so then i'm getting worked up because i'm passionate about this apparently (laughs) um so when like the trophy I'm looking for isn't in like that list of cards, then it's like okay, I gotta hold down the home button to go like to the proper home UI screen, you know, instead of just uh-huh. that like quick menu. I forget what they call it. And then you go you go to the game and down, and you can see you can see what's cool is they show like 44 out of 60 trophies, and then whatever percent like right there in a little tab, and that's cool. Then you gotta click on that, and then you can see the list. But again, it's a horizontal list. And each in it's in these bigger cards. So like you can see, I don't know, five at a time or something. Oof. And then you're back to, to scrolling, right? And it and it used to be a vertical list by name, and there'd be like fifteen on the screen, and you could read the description of each one. And then they used to have you click on one trophy and say it's a hidden trophy to avoid spoilers, right? You just push the square button really quick and then the info pops up. 
Now it's like you click on the trophy, you hit the start button, and then you select the option that says show hidden info, and then it shows the hidden info. It's like two extra clicks. It's like, why? They, didn't, they could have just used the same square button that you did before. So it's like they prioritized cards over the use, the ease of use for trophies. They really, and that might be a similar theme across a lot of UI features, but trophies are the ones I use the most. Um, but yeah, they really are going in on this card thing. And at least off the bat, it's I'm not super receptive to it. I'm sure I'll get used to it at least, but hopefully I do more than get used to it and like buy in and I'm able to use it better and like, get more out of it than I'm aware of right now. That's my hope. But right now I'm like, this is some stuff is just why, you know, and like, there's no more folders. I knew that, but that's not so bad. Um, Did they add an alternative? Yeah. Well, not really, I guess. Um, You can see one thing that's nice is you can see on each game. If it's on your external hard drive, they have a little, you know, database symbol, you know, like that cylindrical icon, Uh put that on there. They put on it also on the icon if it's a PS4 game. So, you know, which of those it is. So that's kind of nice. Xbox does the same thing of like no thing or like series X or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So that's cool. That's, that's good. Um, So that can kind of help you organize stuff, but it, it still is like, it shows, I don't know, eight games on that main UI screen, right? <clears throat> and it shows what I can assume is like your most recently played first and then down the line. And then at the end of the line is the library icon. You open that up and then it's like all your games. And then within that, it's three tabs of like owned, installed, um, PlayStation You can't Plus make or groups whatever. anymore. So they, they took yeah. away folders because Xbox still has the groups thing where you can name the group and then you can put a bunch of games in there. So I have a mm-hmm. bunch of different groups where I have like solo games, multiplayer so they eliminated folders, but didn't add an alternative. Exactly, and that's like weird. You went backwards. You know what I yeah. mean? And like, I know like you're trying to do new stuff with these cards and some other new features that I probably haven't explored yet. But like, that's fine. But some of it like is just inexplicable. Like you could have done the new stuff without getting rid of some of those old steps that that made it good. I guess um, it's like some of it is like good changes, and other stuff is like change for change's sake. <sighs> Yeah, I mean that's how I feel right now. But again, like yeah. if I buy into the new features, maybe like that's the better way to use stuff. You know what I mean? It's just gonna take a while for me to do that, and it may not end up working out either way, right? Yeah. Um, and th- in terms and of overall is... speed, I have a question. Like, does the UI at least feel faster? They're getting rid of some of the stuff, but it feels faster. Cool. Super snappy. Yeah. So that's a good thing. Yeah. <clears throat> and that's nice. Um. And I didn't. Um. <clears throat> So I I heard about people that like accidentally downloaded the PS4 version of games instead of the five. And like, that's, I didn't have that issue with like Miles Morales, I guess, but, um, I could see how you could, I guess. Um, or all didn't. these rest mode issues, right. Where people are like putting a game into rest mode and it's like freaking out or something. Yeah. I, someone said that too. Um, I've been using rest mode fine, but no, I mean, I've kind of been scared, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, um, but it's like, at the end of the day, it's like, yeah, I guess these are like nitpicks, but I don't know. Because it was better before, I think it's worth pointing out, you know? It, well, that's, that's the funny thing, right? Is like, for me, I, I really don't see any negatives with the Xbox Series X in terms of the UI, all the changes, whatever. They're all for the better. The big problem is it doesn't have uh, any exclusives at launch. Whereas the, the PlayStation, right, has Miles Morales, which is like a pseudo exclusive because it's also on PS4, but it has mm-hmm. Demon Souls at the very least and Astro Bot. 
Uh, so yeah. you do have these issues, but it's like, well, they also have a reason to buy the new console as well. So it's like yeah. some give and take on some stuff. One thing I didn't mention in my overview is like quick resume is also incredible. Like mm-hmm. my ability to play one game, then zip over to this one, check something real quick, especially with the number of like daily checking games I play where I can load in, see what's going on and then pop back into whatever else I'm playing. I really hope that PlayStation has an alternative for this, that and the storage stuff. Like that's my biggest complaint with the PlayStation. And I don't even own oh. one is like the storage solution stuff is so you can't odd. even get, get expand, expanded storage yet. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, but um, that that's, I'm glad you bring that up though. Cause that was one thing I did notice. Um, Cause I had been playing ghost of Tsushima on PS4 and then, um, you know, install the same game on PS5, and I did notice um, it's like 10 gigabytes smaller. So that's cool. They, that is cool. You know, that that developer at least managed to, you know, shrink the game, and it like got a patch too. I don't know if it got a patch, but it's like 60 frames uh, per second on PS5. So. You saying that reminded me of something. I accidentally downloaded the Xbox One version of a couple of games instead of the Series X version. And I don't know if PlayStation does this, but when I went and clicked on that game, it said, hey, there's an update to this game. Would you like to download the Xbox Series X optimized version? And I was able to click on that, and it downloaded the correct version and deleted the old version. Nice. Which I thought yeah. was super cool. It's because people are going to make mistakes, and I'm glad mm-hmm. that they have a messenger of like, hey, there's actually a better version of this game. Do you want to download that? Does PlayStation yeah, have something cool. like that? I guess you I wouldn't know, right? You have to like... I I, mean, I I didn't test out that same scenario, right? But I did learn that like you. I'll say that I tested it. I didn't make a mistake. I, I was user testing it. <laughs> yeah. Um. I do know like you can switch between them. You gotta like re- you know start button on the game's icon and then I say like version and you pick PS4 or five. Okay. I don't really know what it does or doesn't. But do. it doesn't <laughs> alert you, right? Like if you downloaded the PS4 version but you wanted the PS5 version, you didn't know that. When you click on a PS4 game, it won't say, hey, there's a PS5 version, download that instead. I have no idea. Um, you should check I'm that wondering... out maybe this yeah. like, week and see if that's a thing. Because I, I wonder if they have the same system in place. Because the part of the problem, too, is like I have Miles Morales and on a disc. So I think it knows. Well, yeah, for sure. It's going to, yeah. You know, I didn't download it from PSN. So like it, it didn't have a chance to make that mistake or show me that it was going to alert me. I, so I don't I, I don't think I have. Do you anything. own a PS4 game that got a PS5 version? I don't know. I, I guess, and, and that's, I guess and it you depends own, on. You also own physical too, more than I do. I'm mostly all digital. Yeah. Um, I guess it depends. Well, actually, yeah, there's tons of PlayStation collection games that they gave me, but do any of those have a, I don't think so. But what I was going to say next was, I guess it depends how they treat it. So like, Ghost of Tsushima, I think, got a patch for PS5, right? It's not a different, it's not a PS5 version of the game, but it's a patch for PS5. You know what yeah. I mean? So that's different than like the Avengers is going to get an upgrade to a diff- totally new skew, I assume. I don't know. It gets kind of tricky. Um, and I don't know how PlayStation is going to handle it or how they're, you know, how they're designed it. Seems like, uh, you know, from what I've read from a lot of other people, um, Xbox is very easy and seamless, and it takes you know takes the confusion. Away maybe that's the smart delivery, right? Maybe that's actually yeah. a smart delivery system in place. Yeah. Is like it telling you like, yo, you don't have the best version. So and and that's I think what kind of went unsaid in like the months you know leading up to these consoles were like <clears throat> it was like well PlayStation doesn't have something called smart delivery or called anything, but it has the same feature where you can upgrade a game, right? 
but what got left out was but smart delivery is more than just that it's like how it packages all that and how and it alerts makes it you and lets you know yeah that whole process of it that like yeah playstation does the same thing but it doesn't seem to be quite as nice and easy to do it um so I, that's kind of like i think what was lost maybe in some of the messaging where a lot of us were like i don't care if you call it smart delivery if we if mine does the same thing what what does it matter um, well, apparently it does matter um, so yeah uh i don't have any uh, questions for you is there anything else you want to say before we move on to what we've been playing no i mean that's it it's uh everything else is as far as more along the lines of certain games so yeah let's let's get into it oh i have one, one actually i thought of a question battery life on the dual sense i've read some stuff about it but in your personal experience how's how's it hanging in comparison to the dual shock so this is a tough one it's definitely better but cool. my dual shock that i had been using is three or more years old now so you know not a fair comparison <laughs> kind of can go bad over time and charges right so it's not necessarily yeah. fair yeah <laughs> uh let's talk about what we've been playing you have definitely more to say than i do uh spoiler for you guys we know the games are only about a week or so old so don't worry about any spoilers on any front also dom would be in trouble of spoiling me because he's farther ahead on games uh so i haven't had a chance to start miles morales yet which is a bummer Good news is I should be able to get into it this weekend and have it done because it isn't that long of a game, which is cool. Uh, I can't wait to hop in. I can't wait to hear your thoughts on it. Uh, Two, I'm only about an hour into Assassin's Creed Valhalla. I just got to... I did the... Have you played Valhalla? No. No. So I just got to... There's like the opening mission that's like the story mission of you as a young person, okay? I'm trying to do this without spoiling. Then there's like the time jump, which is... Oh, no, a time jump. Yeah, of course there's a time jump. And then there's, like, the opening cinematic mission of, like, setting the stage for the world, right? And then I get back to home base, and that's where I'm at. So that kind of gives you an idea. I'm about to, like, start exploring the world, um, you know, openly. Um, Having a blast with it, obviously, very early on. I can't really compare it to other Assassin's Creed games because I haven't really had enough time with it. But uh, the initial base systems feels Assassin's Creed. Uh, I will say the combat feels a little bit more floatier than Odyssey. It feels more like Origins than Odyssey. And I don't know if that's a good thing or not. Uh, we'll have to wait until, um, you know, wait and see, not wait until. And yeah, it's it's interesting. The story can have a good chance to hook me in the way that Odysseys did. So I'm excited for that. But in terms of gameplay, I don't know if it'll surpass Odyssey. I don't know if it might be a step back in some ways for me or not, but we'll have to see. Cause one of the big things, uh, Dom in this game, which you probably heard of is there's not as much gear to loot, right? It's a lot more. Honestly, I think it feels a lot more like God of war where God of war had a bunch of items. I shouldn't say a bunch of items had a fair share of items and you can mix and match and equip stuff. Whereas like Odyssey was, you know, breath of the wild esque in the amount of items you can get. That was the, one of the gripes I had with Odyssey was, yeah, there's too much gear and you had to upgrade or you could upgrade gear too. So it's like, do I hold on to this and upgrade it when I'm going to get something better the next mission? Uh, I don't know. But I do think we kind of missed out on the fact that after launch, they added the system in which you can wear armor for skill, but then have your cosmetic armor on top of that that you could see, right? And I think that might have changed it for us where we could have just been focusing on upgrading armor, but then the moment we found the armor we wanted to wear, like to look at, uh, that could have changed it for us in terms of our opinion on that. But we had to deal with the fact that like, oh, the ugly armor is better. We have to wear the ugly armor. You know what I mean? Which other people didn't have to post-launch. Um, 
yeah, it's pretty much it for me. I'm trying to think if there's nothing new. I mentioned I played Ori on the new console. That 120 frames per second mode is incredible. Uh, played Cuphead using the D-pad, obviously. I don't only like, you know, sparingly with both of those games. Uh, Rocket League looks incredible on the Series X. The load times on Avengers is really good. Warzone is crisp. One thing that I found pretty awesome for Warzone is it had a image quality update when I started it on the Series X, which is funny because it's not the Series X version, right? It's still that backwards compatibility thing. But I was like, a graphics update for a game? Is this a PC? Get me out of here. Um, other than that, yeah, very early on in both of those games. I uh, haven't even started Miles, but can't wait to hop in. Want to get that stuff done before you know Cyberpunk comes out. You? So I, I talked about Astro's Playroom already, and that's all I have really to say about it is like it's a fun little platformer, and it's all about the controller for that. Um, so I guess I'll start. I mentioned Ghost of Tsushima, so I switched over to PS5 for that. And oh, oh, there's another system thing. Uh, my save from the cloud from the PS4 version came right down, and that worked great. So I was happy about that. Cool. I've heard some other people are having less luck depending on like are you going from you know a PS4 game to a five? Sometimes the saves don't come over. Weird stuff like that. Oh. It doesn't seem to be consistent. But speaking I guess of I that, lucky. for people, so it's clear that when we talked about our next gen impressions, I came from a VCR Xbox One to the Series X. You can understand my perspective on it. You jumped from what to the PS5? PS4 Pro to the five. Okay, cool. So you had a, a closer of a jump than I did, just so yeah. people know where we're coming from. I, we should have mentioned that at the top, but I completely forgot. Good. But yeah, so getting the um, my cloud save to come right down for, for Tsushima was great. And that like was really seamless. So that was one thing that seemed to work great. Um, um, and then you boot that game up and all of a sudden, oh, you immediately notice it's in 60 FPS now. And it was only like 30 <laughs> before. And you immediately feel that. So that was kind of cool. Um, so I've still been playing um, a little bit more of Tsushima on playstation 5 it's still getting really close to the platinum and still it's it's to the point um this is reminds me a lot of, of days gone where when you start the game um, both really big games when you start the world is kind of intimidating and combat is really difficult um but then by the end of it once you've upgraded everything and you've gained all these different skills and tools um all the ghost weapons they're called or whatever um you just are a complete assassin and you're just annihilating everybody and it's, it's kind of fun because it's like I played this game for that long. Like, let me just be a god now and just run through shit, you know. So I like that kind of that, that reward as you play the game. Like, Days Gone did that really well too. But <clears throat> So more Ghost of Tsushima. Otherwise, I played just a bit of Demon Souls because I wanted to check it out um, before jumping over to Miles because I know Demon Souls is going to be the bigger game. Um, and, whew, okay, so I guess... The context for this is this is the only Demon Souls is the only Souls game I've not played ever. It's actually the only Souls game I've not platinumed ever. So <clears throat> I have no experience with the original. But this game looks absolutely incredible. It is it's nuts. It's, it <laughs> this bar is always getting set higher and higher. It's kind of like you know every every new, next every NFL quarterback that gets a contract is like now the biggest contract ever. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's kind of like that. But this is now the, the best visually, best visual looking game I've ever seen. Right? I'm sure that'll change in a year, or maybe seven years from now. We're gonna out. look back at it and be like, "Oh, that game looks okay, I guess." Yeah, which is yeah, so exactly. funny because now it looks incredible. Yeah. Um. 
but yeah, it looks it looks just great. It feels really good. Um, again, like played every other Souls game as much as you can, really. Um, and this one, like, it feels uh, just to control everything about it, just just fluid and nice. Um, they do a similar thing as Spider Man, where there's a performance and a resolution mode. Or they might name them differently, but I toyed between them a little bit. Um, I'll probably stay on like resolution or cinematic mode. I think because it you. I would like if you have a big enough TV and it's a 4K TV, obviously, then like you can, you know, if you're sitting at a reasonable distance away, you can see the difference. And like, um, it goes from like 1440p to 4K or whatever. That's noticeable. And um, I think there's some like, I think they said like there's like additional textures and visual effects. Um, some of that like I'm not really gonna pick up on unless you like really do it side by side. But um, anyway, I might stick with that mode, but. Only played for like a couple hours um, and then dipped out because I wanted to get into Miles Morales because it's a shorter experience. So I kind of wanted to knock that out. And this game also looks super, super good. Not as good as Demon Souls, but looks really good. I went with the, uh, <clears throat> I played, I beat the, like the main campaign, I guess. Um, it's not super long. I, I don't, I'll have to check, but it, it might've been even less than eight hours a little bit or around. I've that heard maybe. eight to 12 and it varies wildly. So I, I'm assuming that has to do with like side missions and stuff too. Yeah, I did. I think like two side missions and they were actually a little bit beefy. Um, and there's, I think like six more in my log or whatever. So like that could add quite a bit. And then obviously there's collectibles and a lot of different stuff, but I heard um, the opening sequence of this game is incredible. And I've thankfully been able to avoid any, sight of it and everyone says the opening sequence of this game is really cool yeah it's uh there's a lot of really cool stuff in the main story Um, (laughs) the the opening is cool um the there are some tropes that i'm like there's that again like oh you're this person who would have thought um but then i mean there's some surprises too um yeah but then it's like yep the you know one of the villains is like the most stereotypical villain that like oh yep you're the the rich guy who owns the giant tech corporation that has mercenaries for you know i mean shit like that that's kind of like okay uh since obviously we're gonna avoid spoilers and i haven't started yet and one of the big things is i can't wait to hear our comparisons because i'm playing it on last gen which is so weird to say now Mm -hmm. and you played it on next gen so i wonder what the major differences are in terms of quality right i can't wait to have the conversation with you the one question i have for you is did this game justify its existence? And I'm not saying that, like, obviously this game deserves to exist, especially with the Puerto Rican representation of Miles and all that stuff. I'm not saying anything about representation. What I'm saying is a shorter side story Spider-Man game that isn't the length of the original game, right? That's a lot shorter, doesn't have a lot of the, the, the meat to the bones of it. Did it justify its existence? And more importantly for people out there, especially in these economic times, did it justify the price point for you? in your personal experience. I know it's very personal in terms of, you know, what you pay for a game and does it, did it, you know, meet that expectation? So that's a great question. And the answer is a resounding yes, a thousand percent. In fact, I will even go hard that it is better because of its size. So the original game, and I didn't necessarily feel it so much at the time, and it's been a few years now, but now that I look back, like it was just frankly bloated. Um, Whereas this game, is the quests are more varied like um the the side activities and like the the main quests themselves like it's just more varied it's like it it didn't add an extra 10 missions where like you know you end up chasing people in a car and over and over again kind of a thing um and there's not like 
because the other problem I had with the original game was like it's this I'm sick of fighting these same silver saber sable guys or whatever these same white armor dudes like there's so many of them and like uh it just it just got it just felt bloated and this one like feels like it trimmed all the fat and it is the same to me it's actually like the same size of like the good parts of it of the original but without that extra shit that like didn't really add much now that i can see what this is the the funniest thing i saw and i wonder if i'm gonna feel the same way when i finish this game is uh, and I don't think you necessarily agree with this. Somebody said that the original Spider-Man game felt like a buffet. This game felt like a little bit more than an appetizer. And their hope is that Insomniac learns from both of those games and that Spider-Man 2 is like a solid entree. You know what I mean? Like the perfect size. So maybe a little bit bigger than this game, but nowhere near the size of the original game, right? Um, is from what I read. I don't know. Because I mean, one thing that's interesting yeah. too, this game didn't review as well as the first game. Yeah, obviously, boy, was I wrong on that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we were both were really wrong. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was a bold prediction anyway. But I'd say it's more like this is like an absolute, like a beautiful steak in just the steak, whereas the first game was like also a steak, you know, but it came with a bunch of sides that you didn't really want. Uh, well, that's you, just you people said a buffet, right? You just go and yeah. get everything, just like this, 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 this. Your mom yeah. makes you eat 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 the the sweet potatoes, which is the Mary Jane stuff. You didn't need the sweet potatoes, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I I'm think you liked it though. It's really good, and the combat too. I think is better. It's a little more varied, um, and you can expect that because just knowing Miles Morales has like, a lot, you know, he can become invisible and he has uh, all the bioelectric powers. Like that makes it a lot more fun and a lot more. You don't end up in the original game like you could end up in these spots or like. Help another one of these big guys, and I have to like chip away at him in this and by doing this thing. And I only have these couple powers. Whereas this is like, uh, you know, I have this whole move set of bioelectric powers, and like I'm just gonna wreck this dude, and it's gonna be great. It's gonna feel awesome and fun. Um, it doesn't feel like those annoying combat encounters that go on for a long time that you get stuck grinding like the larger enemies on so much. Two more questions, real quick. One boss fights, thumbs up, thumbs down overall. Actually, thumbs down i mean those were like that that was the kind of part of the combat that was like kind of not the greatest there's only a few is Um, there at least one like good boss fight like salt like fun engaging boss fight yeah definitely and they're they're, even the annoying ones it's more like parts of them are annoying um but there's definitely some good boss encounters but it's just some of it was like kind of annoying and as the non-comics guy I know we had talked about, obviously, the ending to the first game, which I still don't want to spoil for people because I think a lot of people are getting into that first game, too, with this game coming out. Were you excited? Maybe excited is too strong of a word, but was the post-credits final scene you see in this game interesting to you as somebody who's not a comics guy? Uh, no. No? Okay. I, I can't say anything. I, if I, okay. I, I could, you know what I mean? It's not that great. Okay, <laughs> I I don't think you're not gonna you're gonna say the same thing. You're gonna be like, oh, okay. This is something that, and people, if you don't want this spoiled for you, you can skip five seconds. It's just something that I don't think is a spoiler to me. Uh, so I'm interested to hear. Uh, my specific question: Is it a tease for Spider-Man Two? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Would you yeah. say it's more of a tease for Miles Two or Spider-Man Two? Spider-Man Two. Spider-Man Two. Okay. Okay, anybody who skipped ahead, we're off of the spoilers for that. I just, I didn't think it was a spoiler to me, but, you know, everyone's different about that. 
Is there anything else you want to say before we close out the show in terms of, I know like we, we were kind of vague with Spider-Man cause I haven't started it yet. And I want to have the, the meaty conversation with you dialing into the combat and all that stuff when I'm finished. Um, especially with the difference in quality of us playing on different platforms. Is there anything else you wanted to mention? I don't think so. I mean, it was a great game. I, I really enjoyed every bit of it. I'm going to go back through and, um, finish getting the, the, the platinum cause it doesn't seem like it would take too much longer. So it's, it's a lot of fun. Hell yeah. Uh, and it made use of the dual sense pretty effectively. Yeah. It, it did some uh, enough stuff with the, the haptics, the vibrations that were really cool. Cool. That's it for episode 211 guys. Thank you guys for joining us. Once again, I apologize for the hiatus for a couple of weeks, but that's life. It happens. Uh, we should be back to our regular scheduled programming. We were initially going to have an episode talking about our favorite games of the generation because of everything happening. I wasn't able to get around to uploading that in time and, Instead of uploading it now, I I felt that like it'd be good as one of our holiday episodes, because if you haven't been listening for a long time, every December we pre-record episodes after the Game Awards, and we take like three or four weeks off just to chill for the holidays. So that'll be one of the uh, bonus episodes for December, which is really cool. Dom and I going through our favorite games of the generation, which I hope you guys enjoy. Thank you guys for listening. If you can, go to su- uh, go to subscribe. Yeah, go to subscribe. Go to YouTube. A little rusty here. Go to YouTube, search Controlled Interests. Hit the subscribe button if you want to follow along with each new podcast. Hit the like button if you enjoyed listening to us. Comment down below. I read all the comments and I'll reply to you. Uh, uh, we're, we're on iTunes. We're on Google Play, which I don't think is going to be a lo- around at the end of 2020. We're on Spotify, which is the place where I listen to podcasts. I think it's the easiest place. And if you just search Controlled Interests, it'll pop up right there. Uh, in terms of Twitter, you can go to CTRLINT, that's Controlled Interest Abbreviated. That's where we tweet out all the new videos. Uh, individually, you can follow Dom at Dom Zorios. You can follow me at Jared underscore. We'll be back next week. Um, I need to look up the date for the Game Awards, Dom, uh, because we need to do our predictions, and then we'll do, obviously, our reactions to the Game Awards. Um, so, yeah, next week might be predictions for the Game Awards. I, just, I haven't looked up the date. I think it's, like, December 12th or something. We'll see. Uh Yeah, we'll be back next week. See you guys then.